Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. All right, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 5. We'll have it up on the screen. Mark chapter 5. Speaking of drinking water, here I am because my voice is already dry. Before we jump into Mark 5, I want to go ahead and pray for us. Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for how beautiful you are. That you are a God who loves us and cares about us so much. You see every single individual in this room. You don't overlook anyone. You don't overlook anyone because of their sin. You don't overlook anyone because of something they've done or not doing enough for you. You call every single person by name because you want relationship with us. So Jesus, I pray tonight that we would know you more. As we read your word, that you would open up the scriptures to us and Holy Spirit, that you would teach us more about Jesus. So open our ears and our hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and jump into Mark 5. If you've been here the last few weeks, you know that we're in a series called God of Miracles. Everyone say, God of Miracles. So we've jumped through some really incredible miracle accounts. We have Jesus uh, healing a man who was born paralyzed. We had Jesus healing a man with a withered hand. And last week, we talked about how Jesus is peace. Everyone say, Jesus is peace. And we see that Jesus calms the storm. He Literally, the, the wind and the waves stop at his command. It's this crazy story. Now we're going to go ahead and jump into Mark chapter 5 starting in verse 21. It says, when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus, everyone say Jairus. Is anyone in here named Jairus? That'd That'd be a cool name. I think it's a cool name. I know your name's not Jairus, and you guys were late on lifting your hands, so I'm saying no. (laughs) So this man named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at Jesus' feet and pleaded with him repeatedly. He said, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him, and a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from a flow of blood For 12 years. Everyone say 12 years. That's important. 12 years is a long time. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I I but touch his cloak, I will be made well. Immediately her flow of blood stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. It's an incredible miracle account. Verse 30, immediately aware, oh, go back. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my cloak? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you. How can you say, who touched me? Jesus in this crowded place, so probably a ton of people are touching him. And he says, he looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. Everyone say fear and trembling fell down before him and told him the truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. 
And would stay with me, stay with me right here. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, some people came from the synagogue leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the synagogue leader, do not be afraid, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the synagogue leader's house, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. Next slide. When he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this, and at this, they were, very, they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. All right. So here we got with this passage. This is a long passage. Everyone tracking so far? Yes? All right. So we have this long, long passage of Scripture. Now, this, this passage is incredible. We have, we have two really incredible um, miracle accounts. But how these two miracle accounts work together are pretty, are pretty crazy. They're pretty crazy. Now, I want you to think about a time in your life when you have missed something really important because you were distracted or rushed. And you've never been there. You're going through life super rushed and then, like, you miss something super cool. That was kind of like what it was like for me to grow up. Like I said, I'm the youngest child in my family. Some of you have met my uh, brother Victor over there. But I also have another sister named Michaela and my oldest brother Augustine. And so the, I'm the youngest in my family. Now, who, who else is the youngest in their family? Yes, a good, a good amount of you, a good amount of you. We don't like to say, but we feel like we're like mom and dad's favorite, right? Like probably got the least amount of spankings, yeah. I don't know, that was probably true for me. But anyways, so as, as a youngest child, often I spent my childhood wanting to be in the position that my older siblings were, especially my brothers, because like, I want to I be like them, I want to do what they do, I want to be able to do all the things that they're able to do because of their age. So as a little kid, like, I missed out on some like staples of life. Like, I wouldn't really watch like Disney classics. I, I just wanted to play basketball. You know, like I just wanted to go outside and like and hoop with my brothers, like have fun. So I missed out on like watching some Disney classics. Or or like I didn't really care about like Legos. What I wanted to do is like watch all the Star Wars movies. Like watch all six of the Star Wars movies and the Clone Wars TV shows, every episode, every season. Any big Star Wars nerds in here? Come on, be proud, be proud. Last episode of Kenobi is coming out tonight. Has any you guys excited for it? No? I will not spoil it. Obi-Wan dies. No, I'm kidding. If you know anything about Star Wars, you know he's alive in episode four. That's not a spoiler. But uh, I'm excited to see what they do with this episode. Anyways, but because I was the youngest in my family, I spent much of my life trying to grow up really fast that I missed out on important things in life. Okay? And I want you to imagine in this story, we have Jesus going to, to heal Jairus' daughter, this 12-year-old girl. Your age, a 12-year-old girl, she's maybe in seventh grade in a cool, cool school in Jerusalem. She's young. And this dad comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I, I need you to come heal my daughter. She's dying. She's sick, and, and she's at the point of death. And so Jesus, he goes on the road with this man, and there's this large crowd, and his disciples are following him. And while he's on this journey, there is this woman 
And this woman has had the issue of, of discharging blood for 12 years. Now I want you to think about this. 12 years this woman has had this physical ailment. Raise your hand if you're 12 years old. Raise your hand if you're 12 years old. Good amount of you. Okay. So yeah, some of you are about to turn 12. Happy early birthday. But imagine being this woman. Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Shh. Everyone look at me. This woman, if you're 12, your entire lifespan, you can't even remember like a bunch of those years because you were too little. For 12 years, some of your entire lifetime, she's had this disease. Think about like how you feel like I get bloody noses all the time living here in Colorado. Literally, Pastor Victor and I were in and out this morning with tissue stuffed up our nose in the bathroom because we both had bloody noses. Everyone's like walking in like, did these dudes just get in a fight? And now they're like helping. It was, it was like a really awkward experience. But imagine like how you feel after like you lose a lot of blood. You feel like really weak. You feel nauseous. You feel lightheaded. So imagine the physical pain that this woman has been in for 12 years. But we see in this story that it's not just physical pain that is ailing her. It's also emotional and mental and spiritual. If you, if you know anything about early Israelite culture, we have something called the law or the Torah. Everyone say the Torah. It's the first five books of the Bible. And in the Torah, they had laws about cleanliness because God the Father knew that, you know, if, if I'm, you know, type A, B or type A blood and I get like type B blood in me, like I'm going to die. So Jesus made sure that like he gave laws to protect people. Okay, that's why the Torah was given. But because of these laws, if you, ha if you were bleeding, you had to separate yourself from the camp. Everyone say separate. So think about this woman again. For 12 years, she's not even able to be with people. For 12 years, she's isolated. For 12 years, she has to wear something to show that she's unclean. So if people saw her walking down the road, they'd walk the other way. They'd say, oh, stay away. She's unclean. Don't talk to her. Don't, don't be close to her. For 12 years, 12 years, this woman, lonely, sick, in pain, emotionally, physically, spiritually. And we get to this story in Mark where Jesus is walking down the road, and she's heard about Jesus. Everyone look at me. She's heard about Jesus. She's never seen his miracles. She's never even seen the man. But she's heard of these miracles about a paralyzed man being able to walk, and a, a man with a withered hand getting it restored. And because of hearing about Jesus, she has such great faith, she says, if I even just touch his cloak, I, I can get healing. I can be healed from this ailment. So Jesus is walking through in this busy crowd, and this woman reaches out and touches his garment. And Scripture says, instantly, her bleeding stopped, and she was healed. It's this incredible miracle. But then we see Jesus do something really interesting. We can go ahead and put verses 32, uh, 32 to 34. We see Jesus do something very interesting. Jesus asks, who touched me? Everyone's like, who touched me? Hopefully no one right now, no one should be touching each other. Jesus says, who touched me? And the disciples say, like, what do you mean who touched you? Like, imagine Jesus, like, he's walking through this crowd. All right, he's, like, walking through this crowd. So he's probably, like, touching a lot of people. Like, there's a lot of people around him. But he asks this question, who touched me? Now, Jesus was fully God, so he knew that. He, he knew that, who touched him. But he asked this question so that this woman could come forward. 
He asks this question so that he can have this conversation with this woman. So let's go ahead and read verses 32 to 34. It says, he looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. One more time, say fear and trembling. Fell down before him and told him the whole truth. So imagine this moment. This woman knows that she has broken ritual purity laws and that she could be stoned for this. This is serious what she did. Her faith made her do something desperate to reach out for a man that was clean even though she was unclean. So she comes forward and she's, she's afraid of what might happen to her. And listen to Jesus' response, friends. Jesus said to her, daughter, everyone say daughter. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Daughter, your, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, if, you've been, if you're tracking with the story, I know it's a lengthy passage of Scripture. If you're tracking with this story, you know that if, if you read this, that this woman had already been healed, right? That the second she touches Jesus, boom, there's healing. And so that Jesus felt power go out from him. But then Jesus stops and wants to have this conversation with this woman. Now think about this moment where Jesus is on the road to go heal this 12-year-old little girl who is dying. And Jesus, instead of rushing over like I would, if I was Jesus, I'd be like sprinting to get to Jairus' daughter, right? What does Jesus do? He talks to her. Jesus stops and he talks to this woman. And friends, this is what I want you to hear. Everyone look at me. That Jesus shows such care for this woman. This woman thought that all she needed in her life was physical healing. All she needed was, okay, if I just touch his garment, then I won't have this, this bleeding issue anymore, and, then my, and I'll be okay. But how many, when you think about this woman, think about, once again, the 12 years of social isolation, of going to doctors time and time and time again, spending all the money she had, every penny, for no cure. Imagine how discouraged she is. She had done everything to try to be able to get back to have friends and community and to be with her family, but she couldn't because of her disease. And Jesus doesn't just heal her and keep running over to get to Jairus' daughter. He's not in a rush, but he stops to have a conversation with her. And friends, this is what I want you to hear, is that Jesus cares about you. That the Jesus who stops to have a conversation, to heal this woman emotionally and mentally and spiritually. He stops and he talks to her. He's the same God who cares about you. He's the same God that he doesn't, he doesn't just want you just to get like physical healing or just get by good enough. He cares about you individually. He cares about you. Now some of you may be thinking, well, what about Jairus? What about this father that went after Jesus and, and now he's stuck there? This, Jesus having this conversation with this woman. We can go ahead and put on the next slide. It says, while he, Jesus, was still speaking, he's continuing to have conversation with this woman, speaking value and affirming this woman, helping her, making her feel loved. While he was still speaking, some people came from the synagogue leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? 
Now think about what Jairus would have felt in this moment. If you're having a hard time picturing that, I want you to think about your dad. If you, if you were deathly sick, you are on your deathbed as a 12-year-old. And your dad goes over to Jesus. He, he's running to go find Jesus and say, my son, my daughter is about to die. Please come heal her. Please come heal him. And he's walking with Jesus. And instead of Jesus getting to Jairus' daughter, he has a conversation with this woman. And while he's having a conversation with this woman, Jairus' daughter dies. Can you imagine? Everyone look at me. Put, your, put yourself in this story. Can you imagine? Can you imagine how your mom or dad would feel? Probably angry at Jesus, ready to slap him in the face and say, why didn't you come heal my daughter? Why didn't you come? Why were you talking to this woman? This unclean woman, this woman, she was older. She had her chance to live. My daughter is 12. Think about this dad and everything going through his mind, the turmoil, the sadness, the disbelief, the fear, the anger. And Jesus says, do not be afraid, only believe. Do not be afraid, only believe. And then we see Jesus. He goes to the house. He tells everyone to leave besides Peter, James, John, and the mom and dad. What does Jesus do? He raises her from the dead. He says, he goes over to the little girl and grabs her hand and says, Talitha kum. Everyone say Talitha kum. You guys are like Bible scholars. Let's go. That's Aramaic. So if that, like, you go home and like, you're trying to get your little sibling up from, from sleep, you can be like, Talitha Kum. And this language literally was like what a dad would say to their daughter. Say like, sweetheart, get up. It was like this term in different, like, sweetheart, buddy, get up. It's like your parents waking you up for school when you don't want to be up at 6 a.m. And they're like, sweetheart, get up. And you're like, Jesus grabs this little girl's hand and says, Talitha Kum. Now what is, what is the author, Mark, trying to do with these stories? We're, we're talking today about how Jesus is sovereign. Can you say Jesus is sovereign? It means he reigns over all, that he is Lord over all. He has authority over all things. And what we see Mark doing is to this audience that doesn't know about the God of the Old Testament, the Gentiles, those who did not believe in God, he's trying to show them who God is is. And I used this example last week where I talked about how it's kind of like a, an author writing a beautiful story. I was just talking to my friend here about uh, uh, thrillers and how, you know, thrillers are like, turn, like page turners. Like you, you read something, you're like, oh, I need to go to the next chapter. Like it's this rising action that the author, author uses. This is rising action in the book of Mark where we see first that Jesus is sovereign over sin. Everyone say sin. So in Mark chapter 2, the man who is paralyzed, laying down on his mat, Jesus looks at him and says, son, your sins are forgiven. So we see that Jesus is sovereign over sin, that he's able to forgive. Then we see that Jesus heals the man who is paralyzed and heals the man with the withered hands. We said Jesus is sovereign even over physical ailments. Everyone say physical ailments. And then we get to Mark 4 last week and we see that, that Jesus is sovereign over all of creation. Where, where he looks at the, the wind and the waves and he says, quiet, be still. And boom, like the sea becomes glass, the wind stops, and the disciples are saved. We see that Jesus is sovereign over all creation. Say all creation. And then we get to this week. 
We see that Jesus is sovereign even over religious rules and stipulations. This woman who was unclean, Jesus pushes past all that so this woman can receive emotional, spiritual, mental healing as well as her physical healing. And then we see that Jesus is sovereign even over death. Everyone say death. When Jesus goes over and he, and he sees this little girl dead and, and he says, she's not dead, she's merely asleep. She had, she had literally died. She was gone. But what Jesus is saying is that I can go over to someone who is dead and simply say, sweetheart, get up. Sweetheart, it's, it's time to wake up. That death is like sleep to Jesus. That he is sovereign even over death. He can raise the dead to life. J-Lo, you can come on up for worship. As we go through this story, and when we talk about Jesus' sovereignty, everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. I know J-Lo's cool. He's about to be up here right next to me. But when we talk about Jesus' sovereignty, we talk about how big God is, how incredible and powerful God is. Sometimes that can make us a little bit fearful. Does that make anyone like a little scared? That we talk about, we talk about this story where Jesus calms the wind and the waves. And what does it say that the disciples are? They're not grateful. They're not like, oh, let's go, Jesus. That was dope. Like, <laughs> what do they do? They were terrified, it says in scripture. They saw and they were like, oh my God, literally. <laughs> They're like, are you, this, this man can do whatever he wants. There's this moment of terror that fills them. Everyone look at me. And when we talk about the sovereignty of God, sometimes we feel like that God is just this big God who's off in the distance and who's off just kind of like pointing his finger, being like, all right, uh, oh, Holy Spirit, get Zaya to church. Okay, good. Okay, Holy Spirit, like, make sure, like, Hope is reading this much in her Bible. Okay, like, Jesus, make sure. We think that God is this, this distant God. When we hear about God being sovereign. Do any of you ever feel like that? That God's just kind of this big, distant God out, out in the middle of nowhere? You can be honest. L lift your hand, that's you. Yeah, there's many of us in this room. But what do we see in this story? is that while Jesus is sovereign, he also cares deeply for us. He cares deeply for us. And I want us to make two simple points. If you have a notebook or you want to take notes on your phone, now's the time to do that. The first one is that Jesus' sovereignty works for our good. Everyone say our good. Jesus' sovereignty works for our good. You see in these stories about how the woman, she thought that what she really needed was a physical miracle, right? She thought, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I just touch his cloak, I'll be okay. But how many of you know that this woman needed more healing than that? That just stopping bleeding wasn't enough. She needed emotional, spiritual, mental healing. She needed Jesus to look at her and say, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace, which means Go and, go and live a whole life. Jesus looks at this woman, speaks value over her. He wasn't interested in just, in just giving her physical healing because he knows what we need. He knew what she needs. And friends, look at me, look at me. Jesus knows exactly what you need. 
that in his sovereignty, he's not just doing things for you, just like, okay, I'll just make sure, like, he stays alive and make sure, like, okay, like, he passes, like, the sixth grade. Okay, cool, bare minimum. Jesus knows what's best for us. His sovereignty works for our good. Secondly, Jesus' sovereignty is always rooted in love. Everyone say love. Sovereignty is always rooted in love. That this powerful God, the creator of all things, the book of Colossians says that he has supremacy over all things. It's a big word. Which just means he's over all things. It says that he existed before time. It says that he foreknew you before you were ever born, before your mom was ever pregnant with you, before the fa- before creation existed he knew you he knew you would live in 2022 as a middle schooler at New Life Church in Colorado Springs he knew and in his sovereignty he works in love I want to I want to give a little illustration Let's see what, can you come here man what's your name everyone say what's up to Adric it's a cool name. Come on up here. Come on up here. All right. I thought I was going to have a headset, and I don't. I'm going to figure this out. Okay, so we got Adric. What grade are you in, Adric? Turning into sixth grade. Welcome. Welcome to New Junior High. Okay, we got Adric here. Adric is going to represent you and I, all right? So imagine you have Adric's, like your face is on Adric's face, okay? Weird, okay? But this is, this is you. This is me. I shrunk a lot. I was, I was about your height in sixth grade. And then I'm, I'm going to play Jesus just for a minute. I think sometimes when we think about Jesus, this powerful God, this sovereign God, we think he doesn't really care about us. And that if this is, if this is earth, this stage is earth, that Jesus is going to just do the bare minimum to get us into heaven. Okay, so right here, this is heaven.
Wow. Friends, what I want you to hear tonight is yes, that Jesus is able to do anything. In just a minute, we're going to be like the woman who went after Jesus and touched his, his cloak because she needed him. She needed physical healing, but she also needed every type of healing. She needed healing for loneliness. She needed healing for doubt and fear, maybe anger, as well as healing for her physical body. She needed that. So we're going to, say, we're going to believe in faith that God can, can work in our lives. But while we're singing in faith, everyone look at me, everyone look at me. While we're singing in faith, we're not singing to this God because he's so sovereign, he's way off into the distance. He's not going to hear you unless you sing really loud or pray really loud or pray the perfect prayer. That's what we went over this last week. That's not what faith is. Faith is not about how much I have. It's about the object of your faith. It's about who you put your faith in. What I want you guys to hear tonight, don't talk right now is that Jesus cares about you. Now, as you're going through brokenness, as you're going through loneliness, as you're going through difficult things, what these stories show is that Jesus is not going to rush past you. You're not just another person in a crowd, but Jesus sees you. And he cares about you. And so when he comes to heal you, when he comes to meet with you, you're not just another face in the crowd. He's so sovereign and so big that he's able to focus on every single person in this room all at the same time. Because he's God. He can do it. This is what I want us to do. I want everyone to stand up. Shh, stay quiet, stay quiet. And I asked you guys to do this last week. Some of you didn't do it, but some of you really need to tonight. If you're going to be distracted by the people around you, I need you to move to the back of the room, to the side, to the front. I just want you to get in a posture of worship. And we're going to sing tonight about how our God is the God of miracles. He heals the blind. He, he makes the paralyzed able to walk. He, he does these things. He calms the wind and the waves. But as we're singing about this God... We're singing about our closest friend. We're singing about a God who is close to us, who cares about you, whose sovereignty works for your good and whose sovereignty is always rooted in love for you. It's always because he loves you. So we're gonna go ahead and take a few minutes to worship. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.